Good morning. If you have opportunity, uh, please turn your Bibles with me to the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians, chapter 1. You can follow along on the screen behind me. Uh, this is the Word of God and is eternally true. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God at Corinth with all the saints who are throughout Achaia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so also you are sharers of our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we have the sentence of death within ourselves, so that we have not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death, and will deliver us, he on whom we have set our hope. And he will yet deliver us, you also joining in helping us through your prayers, so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. This is the word of the Lord. As Stephen mentioned, uh, the Pastors College men uh, will be preaching through uh, this letter over the next couple of years. It'll take some time, but I hope that you can bear with us. Um, but for this reason, I want to give a brief introduction uh, to 2 Corinthians. Obviously, we have 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. Uh, something that's characteristic about both of them is that they're quite long letters if you were to compare them to Ephesians or Colossians. Um, they're more personal uh, and uh, they're much longer uh, we know also from 1 Corinthians that Paul had written uh, the uh, Corinthians before. He was in frequent correspondence with them. And uh, he'd also sent others to minister to them. Uh, Titus, uh, namely, he sent along. And uh, in 2 Corinthians, we actually have the report uh, that Titus gave to Paul. And this report contained information uh, that the Corinthians had longed to see Paul. Uh, they were hoping to see him again. He had left them and uh, had promised to come to them, uh, but hadn't uh, been able to fulfill that promise yet. Uh, Titus even recorded that uh, they had a zeal for Paul. And while these things were true, it was also true that there were some complications um, and divisions uh, among the church at Corinth. So Paul felt it was necessary to write the second letter uh, in spite of this report. Uh, so this is where we have Second Corinthians, and it's clear that uh, throughout the entire letter, Paul is defending his ministry. Uh, he's defending his integri integrity uh, as he walked among them. He's uh, legitimizing his apostolic ministry. And he's also declaring his faithfulness uh, to Christ and the church. Um, he went through many sufferings for the church. And so he wants to show the Corinthians uh, his care. So let's keep these things in mind for future sermons, and as we consider our text this morning, let's go ahead and look at the beginning of Paul's letter, verses 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth. Uh, so for those of you who are here last Sunday, uh, you have the advantage of uh, 
having heard Pastor Bailey preach on 1 Corinthians 1, uh, you learned about the church, how they were a pretty unruly group. In fact, they were pretty puffed up uh, with the world's wisdom. Uh, as to the sacraments, they were actually getting drunk uh, on the wine. Um, some of the rich people were uh, uh, being excessive in their eating, while the poor uh, didn't have any and were going without food. And so we have uh, the drunkenness, the worldly wisdom. We also have a case of discipline. There was a man in the church uh, who was committing incest. Uh, and yet, uh, what we learned from that sermon was that Paul addressed them as those who had been sanctified in Christ, uh, that they were saints by calling. Uh, and so God was working in them. God had set them apart. This was his work and, and not theirs. Um, but it was also the case um, that Paul's reputation was on the line. Uh, he had rebuked their arrogance. Um, they were uh, arrogant about the man who was lying with his father's wife. And uh, so he had given them a little spank in there. And then he uh, had shamed them uh, that there was no one wise enough to settle the disputes among them. And so kind of back to back, uh, as a father would discipline his son, um, they're getting uh, these spankings from Paul. And so you can imagine uh, the question arises, well, who's this Apostle Paul? Like, uh, you know, what's he, what does he think he's, done, he's doing? Who do you think he is? Uh, and so they're kind of cautious of him. And so they're already dividing over their leaders. One would say, I follow Paul. The others say, I follow Apollos. And so Paul's in the midst of this. Uh, he's trying to establish his ministry. Uh, but at the same time, he's saying God causes the growth. And so he's trying to walk this fine line uh, between uh, legitimizing his ministry and yet showing the Corinthians that it is God who works in them. And so uh, we also see in this letter that Paul's writing uh, to all the saints who are throughout Achaia. Uh, they weren't addressed in uh, Paul's first letter, um, but it's likely uh, that with this talk about the Apostle Paul uh, that he needed to address them as well. You can think about uh, the talk spreading about him to the surrounding regions and Paul needing to defend himself and his ministry there as well. Uh, So this is Paul's care and and ministry to the churches and it is God's calling and it extended to those in Corinth and and Achaia as well. So after this introduction, we have a tender greeting from Paul. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. So where Paul usually begins with a thanksgiving in his letter, he thanks the churches, he lets them know how he's praying for them and what an encouragement they've been. Here, uh, he takes the liberty to point out uh, that God is the spring of all mercy and and consolation. Uh, Paul looks up to God and points uh, to God through Christ. He reminds us of the fatherhood of God and that God's care is spread uh, over us all um, by our Father in heaven. And uh, so he uh, calls our attention also uh, to the love of the Father for His Son. Uh, we think of verses like, He will command His angels concerning Him, and He will not let His Holy One see decay. And so these are promises that God made to His, his Son, and He's also said uh, to those of us who call to Him, Abba, Father, uh, He says these words, He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him over for us all, how will He not also with Him freely give us all things? And so as we consider this blessing uh, of Paul, as he begins to praise God, uh, this is the assurance that he's, he's bringing to us that God is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. 
And so uh, this is the God, blessed be this God, who comforts us. Uh, us here is Paul and Timothy. Uh, it's likely that you could include Titus and other leaders in the church. This is who you want to think of when he says us. Um, and it's who comforts us in all of our affliction. So Paul doesn't just say some of the affliction or most of it. Uh, he says all. So about this time of year, imagine you were to go uh, out to the window and you look outside and you say, look at all that snow. And, uh, well, what do you mean? Do you just mean the snow on the front porch? Uh, probably not likely. You mean the front porch, uh, the snow that's on the driveway, the snow that's in the yard, on the roof, all the snow. So the whole of it, the sum of it. Um, but you can look at it another way if you look outside and say, look at all that snow. Uh, you might not be referring to the, like the dust, little dust on the ground, the flurries, unless you're from the south. Uh, but you're, you're talking about like the three feet uh, of snow, and it's still snowing. Uh, look at all that snow. And so this uh, is the, the large amount. And so it's a, it's a lot. And so as we look, Paul records later in 2 Corinthians that uh, he suffered much affliction. And in 2 Corinthians 11, he says, Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I've been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Uh, so when Paul is speaking of all of his afflictions, uh, he's talking about all the different types. Uh, one of these types, the, the lashes for the Jews, 39. Uh, they would only give 39 because if they gave 40, uh, they thought that uh, a man would die. And so uh, it's not just these types, but also the quantity. Obviously, there was many afflictions and sufferings that Paul went through. And so there is another distress, though, um, that he has set apart. It's not just these. He goes on to say, apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Uh, so Paul's principal concern here uh, is the pastoral care, the soul care uh, for the people who are in the church. And so he has this weight. He is concerned for their godliness and, and growth. And this is constantly weighing on him. He's always thinking of the people. And uh, so this is something that, that a weight that never leaves his shoulders. Though he might be uh, whipped and lashed, um, this weight is there day to day. Um, but if we were to fast forward a couple thousand years to today, it would be hard to think about uh, uh, many uh, pastors in this way. Um, so we'll go ahead and use a bad example, and we'll start in the spotlight. Uh, President-elect Barack Obama has invited purpose-driven life pastor and megachurch, uh, purpose-driven life author and megachurch pastor Rick Warren to pray at his inauguration ceremony. Uh, this Tuesday. So Pastor Warner is going to be flown out from California uh, to D.C. He's going to dine with the big wigs. He's going to talk about Africa and the problems over there. And then he's going to uh, stand before the whole watching world and bless uh, the office of an evil man uh, who advances the slaughter of little babies in their mother's wombs and promotes uh, the perverse practice of sodomy. This is what he's going to do. 
He has a clear conscience about it. It's clear if you watch any of the, the videos, uh, the video clips on CNN, you go to YouTube, it's clear that Pastor Rick Warren has no problem, uh, no hesitation about going and, and praying and blessing uh, this man. But if we were to rewind again uh, and look at John the Baptist, we see quite the different story. We see John the Baptist calling uh, the leader of the nation, Herod, uh, to repentance because Herod had actually taken his brother's wife for his own. And we know what happened to John the Baptist. Uh, he was beheaded. He wasn't invited to come dine and, and uh, have a nice meal uh, and pray for the incoming um, officer. He's, he's killed. But uh, not just John the Baptist. Uh, a lot of us would like to think that Jesus came, he died, and... Um, this was God's plan, and so that's how it happened. But it's also the case that the Jews recognized that it was better for one man to die than for the whole nation. This was a political move by the Jews to kill Jesus. Uh, Jesus was upsetting uh, many of the leaders of that time. Uh, the Romans were uh, catching on, and so uh, they decided that it was better for Christ um, to die and not the nation. Um, but Rick Warren's an easy target, right? He's in the spotlight. Uh, but what about your evangelical average Joe pastor, right? Um, and he might oppose abor- abortion openly. Some of them don't. Um, if you were to think about uh, the relationship they have with the people, he might oppose it as his own personal theological belief, but that would have no implication for how he deals with his, his people or uh, any of his preaching from the pulpit. But, uh, okay, enough of the politics. Uh, what about sin? Sin's like pretty safe, right? I mean, it's safe to talk about. So, uh, sin, does your uh, pastor talk about sin? Well, he might, that's good. But you want to make sure he actually talks about sin and calls it sin because uh, many today think that the word sin, it's outdated, right? Uh, people don't understand sin. What they do understand, however, is selfishness. You know, I'm selfish. It's about me. Um, and you say, no, 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 my pastor talks about sin. I say, okay, good. Um, what about specific sin? Uh, does he talk about lying, greed, lust? Or does he prefer to tell you that you've just got too much stuff and you need to get rid of it and it would be better if, if you know, you got rid of some of your stuff? Okay, he said, no, 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 he talks about greed, and I said, okay, great. Um, then, uh, does he talk about your sin? Uh, because that's the big question, right? And it's not just does he talk about sin or specific sin, it's your sin. Does he treat you, does he preach to you as if you're a sinner? Or uh, does he give wonderful, motivating, encouraging, inspiring talks every Sunday that encourage you to be more like Jesus? Um, and if that's, not, if that's the case, uh, then I'm sorry. Um, and I hope that they would exhort you uh, to repent in weakness, uh, that you have no strength and that you need to flee to Christ for his, health, for his help. Indeed, Paul goes on to say, Who is weak without my being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? Uh, and so what does this have to do with leaders and uh, affliction today? Well, uh, it's likely that uh, if they don't talk about sin, they're not going to face any affliction from those who um, are, they're caring for. They're not going to 
face affliction from other people in the community uh, because they're not sinning against sin and Satan and his works. So, uh, let's move on. Blessed be God who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. And so we're talking about comfort here, and this is unusual. Uh, in our day and age, it's so often that we talk about comfort, and comfort is the thing that uh, we all strive after. Uh, we're looking uh, to make our lives more comfortable. Uh, but this isn't the comfort that uh, Paul is writing about. He's not talking about heathen leather seats. Uh, he's not talking about you know a nice, relaxing, romantic comedy on a Friday night or an opera, uh, or uh, Johnny's honor roll report card, which brings you warm fuzzies when, you come, when they come home. Um, he's talking about soul comfort here, and it's rooted in God, uh, the Father of mercies. And so last week we saw uh, the filthy sins of the Corinthians, and yet Paul, Paul said they will be guiltless in the day of the Lord Jesus. And so the guilt that they had from their sins will be considered um, cleansed and gone. And that is God's mercy to us in the day of Christ. And this comfort, this soul comfort, is also a mutual comfort, and it's shared by uh, the pastor and his people. Uh, it's, it's not something that's just um, handed out here and there. Uh, in fact, Paul says that uh, Titus came uh, to him and, and gave him comfort. And so it's something that's shared and so I think about, again, uh, about Rick Warren and his friends. Uh, he's open about being friends with uh, John McCain and Barack Obama. And I don't know how you can be friends, you know, I don't know anyone who's bridged the gap between the Democrats and the, the Republicans. And so that just seems kind of weird to me. But um, how is he, uh, with all the friends and fame of the world, uh, going to comfort his people? How does a celebrity console the poor and the weak? And, uh, well, the best way I could think of it was that when you're in the grocery store and you go to the checkout line and you see the magazines uh, on the side and you see the lives of the rich and the famous and you, you know, kind of glance and think, oh, wow, that's really cool. And, and so you kind of have this connection because you know about, you know, Angelina Jolie or whoever's on the cover at this time. Um, and so you've got to consider how uh, your leaders are going to be able uh, to comfort you. Are they going through affliction? Are they being afflicted for Christ? Are they dealing with your sin? And uh, let's remember that those, it's those who are in any affliction, right? Um, I think uh, this past week I heard about Jeff Ewer's father um, who for a half decade uh, has been told that he's about to die. Uh, he's got lung cancer. He's been battling it. And uh, he has difficulty breathing. His lungs have calcified. And what's, what is the comfort of the world uh, for him? Uh, well, the comfort of the world would say, why, well, why, about, why don't you just feel better about yourself by you know, leaving money for your grandkids and uh, just pulling the plug now? Because at least that way it'll, you know, still benefit somebody. I mean, really, what, what good are you? Um, but that's not, uh, that is not uh, the promises that we have. Um, Peter talks about the testing of our faith this way. He says, um, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, 
more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found a result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so as Jeff uh, shared with me more about his father on the phone, uh, one of the main things he brought up was that uh, through uh, this affliction, uh, the main thing is that God was uh, preparing him and giving him faith and growing him in this time. And so it's, it's those who are in any affliction, and God uh, is the one who comforts. Um, but let's also see the purpose of Paul's affliction uh, going on, so that we'll be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And uh, this week, uh, I had the gracious opportunity um, to take part in this myself, uh, working with college students, uh, particularly young men, uh, there are a few uh, badges of honor, so to speak, that you can uh, earn, and I got one this week. It was uh, late one night. It was about 2 a.m., and uh, I woke up. My phone was buzzing on the nightstand, and so uh, there was a young man who was calling. We'll call him Chad, and so Chad had called, and I answered, and I got you know the quick, hey, how's it going? Hey, sorry to call so late. Apology. Okay. Um, and soon he began to talk about his girlfriend. And uh, I'm unsure whether this came to my mind at this point in time or before, because um, usually when a guy calls late at night, it's not because he's been slacking in his daily devotionals. Uh, almost 110% of the time it's because of uh, sexual sin. And so I braced myself, uh, but to my relief, uh, it was actually the case that Chad was overwhelmed uh, just there was a lot on his shoulders, and as he continued to share, uh, he couldn't see how God would use him. Uh, there was a particular uh, difficulty with his girlfriend, and he felt inadequate, and he felt like he, all the work that he was doing wasn't good enough, that it wasn't helping, and so he was, he was frustrated, he was overwhelmed. And somehow, though I'd been asleep for a few hours, I was able to uh, mutter a few things, one of which uh, came to mind, uh, the sermon I've been preparing uh, for the week um, that that God uh, is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Um, but there was also something else. Uh, in our pastor's college this, uh, reading this week, um, it was very special because uh, we were reading through Calvin's Institutes and we were just finishing up on justification. And as we got to class, uh, we were about to end class and all of us had come to this uh, point and had read this particular part, and uh, we were all very comforted by it, and so we, we shared a little bit of it, but I'd like to read it to you. Um, so to sum up, so this is Calvin, those bound by the yoke of the law are like servants assigned certain tasks for each day by their masters. These servants think they have accomplished nothing and dare not appear before their masters unless they have fulfilled the exact measure of their tasks. But sons, who are more generously and candidly treated by their fathers, do not hesitate to offer them incomplete and half-done and even defective works, trusting that their obedience and readiness of mind will be accepted by their fathers, even though they have not quite achieved what their fathers intended. Such children we ought to be, firmly trusting that our services will be approved by our most merciful Father, however small, rude, and imperfect these may be. This is a great comfort for me, uh, and for the rest of the men, especially as we uh, uh, do work in the church and feel like what we're doing is, is inadequate or um, 
that we could be doing better or doing more. Uh, and so we were all comforted by this, and I came away and I uh, was somehow able to recall this at, at 2 in the morning and uh, in comfort my dear brother on the phone. So the afflictions that I had and feeling that my works were inadequate, the comfort that I received I was able to give uh, to Chad. And so this was, this was the purpose uh, of my affliction. Let's move on to verse 5. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. And uh, if it hasn't been made clear already, let me just say it plainly, uh, that if you're a believer in Christ, you should expect suffering. It's not like a part that's, you know, well, that's for certain people in, you know, Islamic countries who come to faith and have to deal with their families. And it's, it's everyone. Uh, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, uh, we sent Timothy, our brother, God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass and just as you know. Um, but let's also hear these words, just as our sufferings are abundant, so also our comfort is abundant. Uh, the comfort that we have in Christ is abundant. Uh, it's plentiful. It's bountiful. Uh, ample, lavish, liberal. God is liberal. He's not stingy. Uh, a lot of us like to think that God gives to us uh, as we deserve. Um, but God is merciful to us. He gives us abundant comfort. And he doesn't hold back. Indeed, uh, though this comfort is only found for those who are in Christ. And so, if you have not sought mercy from Jesus, and if you've not found comfort in him, uh, it's probably true that you face a lot of affliction as well. And maybe, to some extent, to a greater degree, um, because what happens is that you face misery after misery, and you don't have any deliverance. Um, now, I know that we all face suffering uh, and adversity. Uh, we have our, our bodies, we're mortal, pains, ills, and, and then, you know, we live in this world, and there are calamities, and the wind and the rain. Uh, but many of you suffer from your own sins. You're reaping what you've sown. Uh, maybe it's a hardship with a rebellious child or children uh, because you haven't raised them in fear and admonition of the Lord. Or it could also be uh, that you're staying in a verbally or physically abusive relationship. Um, it's also possible that you're just lonely and that you don't have friends because uh, you're really critical or you're just too good for everyone. And so, even you who are apart from Christ, God calls to you and says uh, that He is the God of mercy and the God of all comfort. And He can comfort you, even in your loneliest hour um, or that late night fight with your daughter. Um, just as any good father would, uh, He'll take you by the hand and walk you through the deepest valleys and through the most treacherous terrain. On verses 6 and 7, But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient endurance of the same sufferings which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so also you are sharers of our comfort. And so Paul uh, comforts us with these words. He comforts the Corinthians and he says he doesn't want them to be burdened by the, the knowledge of his afflictions, but he wants them to know that it is for their sake. It is for their comfort and salvation. Uh, and really, simply to, to wrap this point up, uh, Paul and company, the leaders, are in close, intimate relationship. 
uh, with the Corinthians. Um, he knows those who are in Corinth. Uh, he spent time with them. And so this, doesn't, this comfort uh, isn't just you know, some nice Hallmark card sent in the mail as a sympathy letter. Um, this is Paul's practice. Paul was going from house to house. Uh, he would admonish each one with tears. And so we know that uh, he cared for them greatly. And uh, they knew Paul. They knew him well. And he knew them well as he was uh, able to address uh, all the things that he did in the lengthy letters that he had written to them. Um, but now Paul begins to inform the Corinthians of their present circumstances. For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sense of death within ourselves, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death, and will deliver us, he on whom we have set our pope. And so the Apostle Paul went through great affliction, uh, so much so that he despaired even of life itself. I mean, uh, for Paul after having listed all these afflictions, uh, to then say that, you know that whatever he was going through uh, was uh, extremely intense and that he was near death. And so he uh, thought that he had no hope of making it out. He thought that death was sure. And uh, he bore this burden yet for the Corinthians and even uh, takes liberty to to write to them um, so that we would have comfort. And so we see that he is uh, burdened. And I know that um, some of you this morning are carrying a cumbersome load. Um, I know that some of you uh, wives uh, have become pregnant and uh, were given a child by the Lord. And uh, it was an exciting time. Uh, there was much joy and rejoicing. And you were able to share with family and friends. And uh, you received gifts and you began arranging uh, the home, uh, rearranging and thinking about colors and where the crib would go. Um, and suddenly your hopes and your dreams were dashed um, because as you were with child, uh, then you were without. And so you cried out to the Lord um, day and night. And tears uh, streamed out of your face and even at really inconvenient times and there was much pain and trouble. And God declares that he is the father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And so he sends you older women who have been through the same. And they wipe away your tears and they speak tenderly to you. And they remind you that thy Jesus can repay from his own fullness all he takes away. We know that God sent his own son. We remember this. And that he was separated from him that we might be united to God. And the bond that the father and the son shared eternally um, was broken uh, when Jesus took on our sin, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we look back and we know from Isaiah that the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So God understands um, what it is to lose a son. And that's one that he had everlasting fellowship with. He can sympathize with you in your weakness and your hurt and your pain. Others of you, you hear of Christ's death. And you know that it was on your behalf and you fall into despair. You despair of your sin. It's, it's difficult day after day. Uh, sin is like your shadow. Uh, it doesn't leave you. It's always there. And some of you um, 
see that your pride is always creeping up, and you can boast uh, about just about anything. You boast about your children, uh, your good looks. You can boast about how well you can discern uh, biblical, or error in biblical teaching. Um, you can brag about your fingernail clippers. You can find anything because your pride is right there. And so you beat yourself up uh, day after day, and your sins, they weigh you down, and you're burdened. Um, but again, we, we know that Christ died for you. Uh, it was for you. And so God sent his son not to condemn the world, but that he might save it through him. And so God wants to pluck you up from this hopelessness and this despair. And he wants to set you on the rock. And it's firm and it's true. And so you come to him, uh, as we read from Calvin earlier, as a son with inheritance, um, full inheritance. And so you inherit all the mercies that God has. And God is abundant. This comfort uh, is overflowing and overwhelming. Uh, Indeed, Jesus paid it all. And so your mourning can be turned into gladness. And then uh, many of you, uh, especially after break and coming back, uh, you've been home, you've visited with family and friends. I think you students, I know that a lot of you uh, have a zeal for Christ and his church. And you go home and spend time with family and friends. And that's not necessarily the case. In fact, some of you uh, come from Christian homes, but you go home and your parents are lukewarm at best. And so you want to submit to them and honor them as your father and mother, but at the same time you want to uh, push them towards Christ. And uh, this is difficult. And at the same time you find yourself uh, feeling more and more convinced that you need to speak to them, and so you do. And uh, in your fervor, in your fervor you get in a fight. (laughs) And you fight, and it's bad, it's bitter. And you walk away, and you think, ah, oh, what, what did I do? And you feel like you've lost your witness. Um, but uh, that's not necessarily the case. I know a man who um, knew sooner that he got into a fist fight with his, his brother, uh, that his brother actually came to Christ. And this is God's work. Um, this is God's work. You know, he went from being a blood brother to one in Christ. And so... Look around, uh, see those who are sitting next to you, um, take comfort. Um, I know so many of you who are faithful uh, to talk with your families, uh, to urge them um, on to Christ. And we have hope, we have a cloud of witnesses here. And, uh, you know, I know that sometimes family can be a difficult matter, um, But even Jesus was considered crazy by his family. uh, So take comfort in that. Uh, Let's continue on. And he will deliver us, you also joining in helping us through your prayers, so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. And uh, I cannot delight more in Paul's admonishment here. Uh, He is usually saving this kind of prayer request at the end of his letters, Uh, But he brings it up here, and he beckons the prayers of those for whose sake he's afflicted. And he asks them to pray so that other people would give thanks. And so, uh, for those of you who don't attend one of the Wednesday prayer services, I'll just say, uh, you're missing out. 
Uh, you really are. I know that some of you are already involved in youth group and, and Bible study and have other commitments. Um, but this past week, uh, those of us who were at the evening service were really encouraged. Uh, we lifted one another's burdens up and uh, prayed for one another. We gave thanks to God for the work that he's always done. Um, uh, we cared for one another. Uh, we prayed for the church. Uh, we prayed for the missionaries. We prayed for um, all the other uh, people on the, on the list. Uh, in fact, um, it was such a, a spirited time, a uh, time of faith we were praying uh, for joy, uh, for the church finances. And I'm serious, it was, it was honest uh, to believe that God will provide for us. And so uh, I do hope that you will come to one of these services if you have opportunity there at 6.30 and, uh, a.m. and 6.30 p.m. here at the church. Um, but there's one last thing I'd like to say. Um, We've talked a lot about this comfort and suffering and affliction and abundance and prayer and thanksgiving. Um, but all of these things, uh, they only happen in shoulder-rubbing, smelly breath, your toddler hit my toddler community. That's the only place it happens. Um, you'll find it in gentu- genuine, intimate community. So I ask you this. How do you have the Father of mercies if mercy isn't shared among you? But if mercy is shared and comfort is supplied, how abundant is that mercy and how plentiful is his grace and comfort to you? Indeed, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort.